Hardy's signature Frisco burger and Frisco breakfast sandwich are the kind of goodness people drive across town for. Classic favorites on a toasted sourdough bun. Only at Hardy's. Goodness in the making. Participation may vary. Welcome in to the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Common. I am back from the King's Classic and Fantasy Football Expo in Canton. I think I am beard out at this point. Uh, a lot of drinks, met a lot of people. Awesome time. Also, I used our own Fantasy Alarm Draft Guide where we're out there. It is free. Make sure you check that out and get it downloaded. So we're coming to you midweek-ish here, a little bit later than normal due to some with me traveling and some other conflicts, but we are here. A lot of news to break down this week, so I've not one, but two folks with me here. As always, Matt Sells at The Sells Man on Twitter. So, Matt, how is everything going for you? Uh, it's it's going okay. I mean, at this point, I really just want the fantasy baseball season to end with, <laughs> like, my team is not done well, and then I had to burn Mackenzie Gore, and then Oof. Gore got injured, like, Oof. literally three days later, so now i got to pay for him next year, and... Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Then I was planning on keeping Walker Bueller next year, but now with his elbow thing, probably not doing that. So yeah, at this point, let's just, let's just, you know, start, start a new baseball season already. (laughs) And then also with me, another guy, I think whose team's struggling a little bit. I can't really relate to you two in those regards. So I don't really know what that feels like, but James Grande at the underscore real underscore grande. So James, one, did we have an update on the Twitter handle? And two, how are you? No update uh, for your first question. Uh, second question, I'm doing fine. I also want the season to end. Uh, I just want to like sneak peek at what happens at the end of the year. Um, you know, like just like pull the curtain back, like give me the script. Let me see how the World Series plays out. Because Matt's prediction last week, by the way, totally coming true. Uh, Matt's prediction for anyone that missed was the Yankees don't win the division. They might not even make the freaking playoffs at this rate. Um, but, you know, other than my panic and my uh, – I don't know if you guys can see the uh, steroids in my haircut. But other than that, um, we're doing pretty good. Cannot see the steroids in your haircut there. It doesn't look like you have a case of ringworm or anything, so I'm not sure why you'd be taking anything for it. But obviously, of course, you know, the Padres go out and make these moves. We talked about last week how great a lineup it's going to be upon their return. And of course, something has to happen. It just, you can't have the perfect, the perfect story or the storybook ending or whatever. So Padres are going to be without Fernando Tatis Jr. for the rest of this year and about a fifth or so, I believe, of the next season um, given for that. So Matt, let's, I'm going to kick it right over to you. There's really not much to be say. Tatis Jr. got popped. He gets 80 games. There's really not much to say beyond that other than this dream lineup that the Padres have is now going to be put on hold. Yeah. Um, it was very interesting to hear some of the comments coming out of not only the locker room, but the GM's office for San Diego. Um, as AJ Preller basically said, we can't trust him and he's got to do everything possible to build that back. And this is right. the second year of a 14 year deal. Um, so that's going to suck for you. Even Mike Clevenger, who's only been on the team for like, two years and pitched like six total games was like, yeah, this guy sucks. Uh, we can't trust him. Like whatnot. Manny Machado was like, well, we got here without him. So I'm pretty sure we can make it okay without him too. Um, I don't know. I don't buy his excuse at all. I really don't. Um, 
first of all, how bad of a case of ringworm do you have to get to get prescribed an anabolic steroid? <laughs> like, that, that's not that that's not great. What are you doing to get that case of ringworm in the first place? Um, and secondly, I just don't I just don't believe it, man. Like, just come clean. The whole oh, I didn't know that it was in there. The ingredients are printed on the damn label. Like, you got to not read it to not know, and that's just plain stupid. So, um, yeah, just come clean. Just say, hey, I was trying to get healthy. I was trying to get Jack for when I come back, and it failed. Yeah, it's it was odd. It seems like they, there's a whole elaborate ruse behind it in terms of, like, no, I'll go look at uh, Tatis Jr.'s mom, post a picture on Instagram. It's there talking about how this – this is used in like treating fungal infections, which per my advanced knowledge, AKA a quick Google search, uh, ringworm is in fact a fungal infection. So I guess right. that kind of checks <laughs> but out. There, there was a dermatologist though that said, by the way, yes, you, we can prescribe steroids for this kind of thing. However, this particular one actually makes ringworm worse. So I don't know. Also he popped it in like March apparently like the test was done in march and then the appeal process happened and they basically waited for him to come back to announce it from what i could tell jeez oh it's well regardless it's bad news for the uh for the padres but james we're now going to head into another year of where do we draft fernando tatis jr that it's same thing we just had it this year with the injury and now we're going to talk about it this way he's gonna have a slight suspension to begin the year no really long-term effects from this should affect his performance next year but just quick off top of your head he's gonna have the what is it about 20 to 25 games yeah that'll still be on the ledger where is he still gonna be a first round pick next year do you think he might slip into the second of some drafts given that it's only 25 but he does have a injury history list of injuries yeah i mean i well, hold on. Is it actually only 25 or is it more like 40? I think it's, I think, let's see. Um, I thought it was like 35 next year or 40 because I don't think there's like 60 games left for the Padres. Well, how, well, let's do the math. How much, how much of this year is he missing? Uh, so he's going to miss the first four or the last 48 games of this year. So, so he'll miss 32. 32. So, so he'll, games. so he'll play a hundred. So barring he plays every game, he plays 131 next year. Um, first round pick, 131 games at most. Given a laundry list of injuries, a I, you know what laundry list is putting it lightly. It's for his age. It's probably more like a target shopping list. Um, and we know how long. I mean, we all you know have significant others. We all we all know how long those can get. Um, I mean, he hit 40 home runs in 130 games, literally last year. Right, 130 games. This is the perfect sample. Here you go. 130 games he played in 2021, 42 home runs, 25 stolen bases. Sounds like a sounds like yep. a first round pick to me. <laughs> sounds like a first round pick to me. Uh, but again, that's barring zero injuries. That's barring he's plays 130 games. That's minus the three or four that he probably gets off for rest. Right. Um, probably looking at 100 and I think you get what what is a safe projection for Tatis? 115 to 120. Yeah. That's like a one IL stint plus a few days off. Are you yeah. okay with a first round pick, 115 games of the year? I mean, you're getting and and, a, and just an abnormally good 
player. Well, okay. I mean, I guess the argument then comes to, do you, is his talent level better than Byron Buxton's? Because Byron Buxton plays about that many games tops in a season. And the argument has always been, if Buxton can show up for 115 games, the guy goes 30-30. Except, when, Buxton, he doesn't, except when he doesn't steal bases. Right. But Buxton's never a first-round pick. I think Tatis is a first-round pick, yes. But I think we see him slip to the second round because people are tired of the trusting thing. People are like, well, if he comes back and he's 100% and he crushes everything, sure. But what if he has an average year right? in 120 games? Right. What if it's like 25 homers and 15 steals? Still not bad, but that's not first round. No. No, the investment is not worth it if, if those are the numbers you... I mean, the, I guess the other advantage he has is he's still shortstop outfield eligible in most places, which is a weird multi-positional guy. But, yeah. I say no. I say no as of as it stands. I'm with you, Sells, because, like, even a... Me, like, even a... I mean, that 42 home runs in a in 100 and whatever, 30 games is, like, historic. And 25 stolen bases. If he doesn't do that and goes, like, 25-20 in 120 games, I mean, that's, like you said. So I'll go, he slips into the second with, obviously, first-run upside, but hard to trust. I think I think that's going to be the case, too. And when you think about it as well, with the 100 and, you know, 15, 120 games, whatever we ended up saying the number was there, we didn't really see him at all this year. So there's going to be rust to be shaken off. He only right. had a handful of at-bats in the rehab sin that he had before he got popped. So there's going to be some rust that's got to come off too. I'm sure he'll be able to hit and do everything like that, but it's really hard to replicate, you know, MLB pitching on a, you know, you see it all the time with hitters being a little bit slow to the year. So yeah, I, I won't be taking him in the first round. I'm sure there will be some that will, yep. but it won't be me doing it. One guy that I know I won't be taking in the first round or the second, third, fourth, or fifth, or sixth, and we can continue <laughs> on with that, is uh, Chris Sale, who... I don't even know. I he died. Know what, Wait, yeah. Col- Colby, Colby, what? Did, how, how did you? How did you outline this on our uh, on our show sheet? Tell everyone, tell everyone how you outline. Yeah, Chris I am. Well, I'm, when it comes to these outlines, I'm a man of few words, so I just put <laughs> Chris Sale hyphen dead in all caps. Uh, he's done for this year. These in the injuries are just. He's probably going to get this injury prone label, and this last injury was just something that would probably only happen to someone who is injury prone and can find an injury. To happen, but obviously fractured his, I believe it was his wrist in a, in like a biking accident. So he's done for the year. All of just a handful of innings, less than one starts worth this season. Uh, James, I'll go to you first. What the hell does Boston do with Chris Sale? Is it like, hey, we're going to pay someone a hundred grand a year to follow you around all off season to make sure <laughs> that you just don't do anything in all season. They're going to have a private investigator circling his property getting rid of all the bikes or they all getting sold and everything or what, and what do they do with this guy? Cause I mean, let's be honest, they need him all. They need him on the field. Their team is just devoid of talent on the mound. They need a guy like Chris sale, not, you know, on the mound, not on bikes. Sure. Um, they need him on the field. They just haven't really gotten that um, since 2019. That was the last time we saw him make more than 10 starts in a year. We're talking about, a 30, a soon to be 34 year old. By the time next year comes around, he's 34. Uh, he hasn't pitched more than he has thrown 11 games in the last three years. I'm sure they need him 
on the on the field. They have him under contract for another two years, but it's not something that you can really rely on at this point. I think Boston needs to go into next year with more pitching um, than people probably think they need because, you know, who knows how durable sale is going to be. So, um, I mean, yeah, they need to do some Kyler Murray type stuff with him and, you know, um, just micromanage as best as possible. But, um I mean, this guy's a wild man. Look at what he's done. In, I mean, he punched a monitor in the minor leagues. He uh, He's just a walking disaster right now. So uh, at 34, you know, exiting the prime, coming off three straight injured campaigns, I don't know what there is to do. He's a complete wild card for fantasy next year. Um, we've obviously seen the best of Chris Sale come and go, um, and he was quite dominant in his peak, but... Um, I just don't see how he's much of anything more than like a wild card end of your draft play at this point, just based on now a three-year sample of just injury after injury after injury. Yep. Yeah. And Matt, what do you Let me ask you this, Matt. I'm looking here on, on fan graphs, looking at it here. Looks like with his deal five years back in 2020, a club option for 2025, but it says that can opt out after 2022. Assuming that is Ooh. sale up to sales opt out, that's up to his choice. Does he stay with that money, or do you think he just leaves Boston and just blames it on the city as to why he's been so <laughs> injured ever since 2019? I think he stays because he's not going to get paid if he opts yeah, out. Yeah, he's getting a lot of money. He's getting yeah. a lot of money guaranteed, and he's pitched <laughs> 11 games in three years. You don't yeah. think someone will? You don't think someone like the Angels would give him big time money for That's 48 true. plus innings That's over true. the last two years? <laughs> I mean, maybe they did it with with Syndergaard, right? <laughs> they signed Syndergaard to a prove it deal, paid him I don't know twenty two or twenty three million dollars for this year, and then he did well enough in the first half they dealt him and got you know a decent prospect um, from Philly for him. So maybe, but I don't know, man. If I'm sale, I stay. I get the because how much is next year's uh, salary for sale? Uh, just shows his AAV is 25, a little over 25 mil. So probably somewhere in that realm. Yeah, nobody's paying him that much. No. I'm staying. I'm going to say, hey, man, I want to go win another World Series. We have the pieces. We can go win another World Series. All I have to do is stay off my bike, and then he's going to get injured again. And then, yeah. The pe- yeah, the pieces that are all going to leave in the offseason. I mean, basically, Bogarts <laughs> is a free agent. Jeannie Martinez might get dealt. Um, you know, they still don't have a first baseman. So, Colby, when you... I mean, it's possible, but I don't think I don't think he gets paid anywhere close to that. And we still don't know exactly when he's going to be back next year. So true. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. So you look at it here because he's got the opt out for 2022. He's got a full no trade clause. So Boston can't even ship him anywhere. If you know, the Angels were so desperate to come get him. He's got 27 <laughs> five next year is what he looks like. He's on the hook for And I'm looking here at all these escalators that he has. And it's so cute, all these bonuses for, like, Cy Young and MVP. And it's just, like, you should have just started with, like, games. Right. Let's just figure out, like, wherever they started the games incentive, like, hey, make 20 starts, you get this. He should have been, like, how about four? Let's start at four <laughs> starts and work our way up from there. Let's make it nice and easy. Let me get some of these incentives because he ain't hit any of those. I'll we'll get you 10 sure. bucks for four starts. That's yeah. the Colby, when you start talking about the Angels, that made me think of, like, the Billy, the Billy Bean meme that's going around. It's like, hey, Billy, look. Yeah. There's this guy, Chris Sale. He's only pitched 
11 games in the last three years. He's 34 years old, but he gets really angry, and it's the fire that we need on this team. <laughs> yeah, his, his only defect is that he probably won't pitch much for us. Yeah. But other than yeah. that, he, he, he's been great for you know a, la- a large part of his career. Um, yes. So I think this is exactly the next Albert Pujols signing we need to make. But you can't even say that he's great for the clubhouse because we've seen him in the minors and through other spins in Boston. He's he just puts Wait, more he strain on the clubhouse. Did he Chicago because he didn't yep. want to wear an old yep. school like vintage? Ripped uni- it up. Yeah, he ripped it up right in the. Right? Wasn't yeah, it? he ripped off the, <laughs> yeah, ripped the, it up. the throwback, the retro uni because he didn't want to wear it. He's totally going to be an angel next year. Holy cow. On a rehab assignment, punched the locker in AAA because he was so pissed with his own rehab assignment. Like, that's a great, uh, that's a great clubhouse guy. He just, uh, he sound, sounds like the perfect angels pitcher and look, to me. As Yankees fans, I desperately want Boston to hold on to Chris Sale. That's, <laughs> that's just throwing money down the drain for something that ain't going to help you. Yeah, it's I no clue what's gonna happen with Sale. Probably won't be on many of my teams next year. He might be on Boston's roster. I don't know if he'll actually be on the field for Boston, but time will tell with Chris Sale. Not sure if you guys picked up on this, probably did. But interestingly enough, Shohei Otani decided as if he wasn't already good enough, as if he didn't need another weapon on the mound. Some are calling it a sinker. Some are calling it a two seamer. Honestly, those two pitches have almost the same movement if it's more horizontally based than vertical. So it's really no different. But it. He had a 50% whiff rate in it in his first start with it. The only contact that was made, I believe, was a really weak ground ball from Ty France with, like, an expected batting average below 200. So, I mean, what – it's just another pitch. It's just another, you know, tool in his toolbox to use. James, I mean, it, it doesn't – it's not like he's, like, the number <laughs> two pitcher now just because he added this this new pitch, <laughs> this new wrinkle. He's still phenomenal, but um, – how screwed are opposing batters now at this point with Otani now can get you out with what feels like six different pitches. I mean, next it's mind control. Like he's literally going to start not even using his arm to throw baseballs. He's just going to use his eyeballs and it's just going to just like, dude, the guy is incredible. Uh, There's, there's nothing much more I can say other than I'm really happy that I used him as a, uh, two-star pitcher this week in FSGA. That's really all I got Um, because he goes again and we get to see the sinker again this week. So, uh, yeah, opposing batters are screwed and uh, fantasy teams facing him are also screwed. So I don't don't know what else to say. And and I think what's – Matt, what I think is – I'll ask you this too. It's not like it's he dropped in this, you know, like ephus of sorts. I mean, this pitch is coming upper 90s with – insane move i know the one gif that went on twitter was him of course he walked somebody because it was a ball but that's the one that gets circulated but i mean good grief 96 to 98 with insane almost edge to edge movement with that pitch good luck yeah i watched the start that i just happened to turn on because we were you know perusing late night games on mlb tv and otani was pitching so i'm like yeah i'm definitely turning this thing on and i was like wait a minute that's a pitch I haven't seen him throw before. And the announcers are like, did he just pull out another pitch or what? And then he threw it again, and they were like, oh, my God. He figured out how to add a pitch. <laughs> and it was filthy. I was like, I would love to just sit there and be able to uncork a new pitch in, the, in like, the middle of a season and have it be, like, a plus pitch. Like, it wasn't <laughs> like he was using it as – Hey, this is a bullpen day. I'm up 17. No, it was like a tight ball game all the way through. And he's sitting there uncorking 95 mile an hour sinkers. 
like the yeah i good luck man i i don't know what you're gonna do with that guy he he's pumping it in at like 102 miles an hour the fastball he's got sinkers now and just absolutely filthy movement everywhere yeah i found a, a tweet according i guess uh, at pitching underscore bot on um twitter at grading pitches essentially um and someone happened to uh, retweet it. Uh, I'm trying to see who this person is with here. Uh, Shout out to the underscore, by the way. Yeah, big time underscore. <laughs> this one's uh, re- it was tweeted by at KyleMoto10 basically with this pitch. On a 20 to 80 scale, the stuff grade of his new sinker slash two seam or whatever you want to call it is a 76 <laughs> on the 20 to 80 okay. 20 to 80 so scale. <laughs> for those of you that don't know the 20 to 80 scale, which if you read my prospect reports, I break it down almost every week, but 2080, 50 in that scale is MLB average. 80 is elite. The only guy we've seen in the last 25 years to get an 80 hit grade was uh, Vladito as a prospect, right? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got an 80 grade pro- uh, hit tool. If you see anything at 70, that's automatically elite. 60 is a plus pitch, 65 is double plus. So to come in at 76 is like getting a Madden grade of 99. Like, that's <laughs> that's filthy. It's got velocity, movement, spin, and pinpoint control. And it's it's just it's another tool in his toolbox. Like I said, and now I know he's only thrown it a handful of times this season. But if you're going to count that in with that pitch with a 50% whiff rate, he now has four pitches with a 39% whiff rate or higher. Good luck. That's, All that's... slider, splitter, uh, curveball, sinker. Good luck. I don't know what else to say, but. Let me ask you this. So his current teammate and future teammate of potentially Chris Sale, Mike Trout, could be back uh, by the end of next week. It's a lost season for the Angels. I mean, I guess fantasy baseball managers can benefit from this, Matt. I mean, what really can we expect from Trout the rest of the way? Because one would think in a lost season, knowing that this back issue is going to require maintenance, there's a very real chance maybe they do like he plays two or three, gets one off, two or three gets one off, or maybe they DH him to try to preserve his back because, you know, spoiler alert, they're not playing anything for here this year. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's that. I think he might play a couple of games and then get one off, play a couple of games. And if he's going to play the field, I'm pretty sure they're going to put him in left field now because uh, Sierra has been very good in center field for them. He's very speedy. There was talk that they were going to move Trout to left field before the season started anyway, and then that got batted down a little bit, and now – it certainly looks like he's going to be moving um, to left field. Because my only problem with putting him at DH is in where are you playing Otani? Right. Probably shortstop. I mean, why not? He does everything. <laughs> he, probably well. could, he probably would be great at that as well. Just just pitch him. <laughs> just line him up to pitch every night you need. To, <laughs> but like, I, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think he probably plays two days in probably left field and gets a day off is probably what they do. Anything to add to that one, James? Uh, no, I mean, that's obviously somewhat of a concern if you're in a league that locks weekly. Um, it's not if you play, you know, a daily roster league, but, you know, four games a week of Mike Trout for the rest of the year, I'll take four games a week. And it's probably, if you lost Trout, his four days are probably going to be better than whatever you replace, replace him anyway. Um, Matt, I'm going to come to you for this one. I don't know 
if it's the water in Atlanta or what it is, right. but somehow not only do these guys pan out, but they get them all to take team friendly. <laughs> they now it's because none of them team. have Boris as a as an well, agent. Well, true, but they locked up Michael Harris for the next eight years at I believe it was seventy two million. Austin Riley's all hooked up there. They have their whole core through at least twenty twenty five or twenty twenty six. Rumor has it that three of us are locked up in Atlanta through twenty forty one because it just seems like that's how things work in Atlanta. So talk to me about the Michael Harris deal. And then also, if you have any insight, how the hell do they continue to do this? Man, they got, so first of all, props to Atlanta for all of their scouts, right? You right. can't do this without getting guy without getting a plus scouts that don't miss them in Tampa basically don't miss on people. And that's really impressive because we've seen a lot of teams try to rebuild and it fails because their scouts don't like the guys they scout don't pan out. So that's one. Two, you avoid Scott Boris like the plague if you want to do this because Scott Boris never lets his guys get locked up, aka Juan Soto, aka Trey Turner, aka Bryce Harper. Um, never lets the hitters get locked up. But yeah, I mean it's it's just really impressive. They've got four or five guys. I can't remember if it's like if it's Acuna, Albies, Riley, and now Harris, plus somebody else, I think, for like four hundred and nineteen million dollars total and Trout's total deal yeah, is I like four hundred and thirty million or something. Um it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Um Michael Harris, look, he it takes something to come up and smoke baseballs in the major league level to a point where you get an eight-year deal right. after a month and a half, and he did <laughs> not play triple A. Right. He went right from double A to the majors, which pitching-wise, they say you can do. Hitting-wise, generally recommended to go to triple A at least a little bit. Um, but he's impressive, man. His power is a little bit more than I thought there was going to be. Um you know, the hit tool is pretty good. He's an all-around solid baseball player. Is he going to be elite for fantasy? I don't think so. Um, but is he going to be a very good fantasy outfielder? Yeah. Sure. That's, I mean, that's that's perfectly fine. He'll hit somewhere in the low 20s for homers. He'll have a, a pretty good batting average. And that's about all you need out of an outfielder at this point. Yeah, and I mean, he has been really good since the time he got called up. He's one of... I believe it's six players with double-digit home runs and double-digit stolen bases. Obviously, he's in a really good lineup. Um, James, any thoughts on like Michael Harris? How he's been this year? Do you expect this type of production to keep it up, or pretty much in the same along the same lines? What Matt had to say? Pretty much in the along the same lines. But I think, I mean, I think there's thirty. There's definitely thirty stolen base upside here. Yes, thirteen. So if we're talking about a guy who has twenty home run power and thirty home run, you know upside and maybe even more power i mean could we see uh, in the future maybe. 30 home run i mean look he has 12 home runs in 71 games he's always going to get pitches to hit in this lineup he has a 213 iso 500 slug like you're right like the power like wasn't projected but 55 on the on the on the scale is not bad 60 speed i mean this is a guy i think yeah a, i mean so if you think of if you think of home runs, fifty on the scale being about twenty home runs a year. Okay. Fifty-five, I usually put about twenty-five homers. Sixty, 
you know, a plus 30. power player is going to be 30 to 35, probably maybe a little more. So, yeah, I mean, I could see 25 homers. Is he going to be a 30-30 guy? I don't think so. Um, I mean, he's tw- but, like, that's – isn't that the – and that's the part that the Braves are, like, kind of just winning well, on sure. over and over again? Like, we didn't see him even fully develop because he just skipped AAA. Is there more room for that growth in terms of the power department? If he's already graded out as a 55 – I mean, twenty-one years old. Like, I don't know. Like, there. That's like that's maybe he maybe it like something there. Maybe at like twenty-seven in the power peak, he hits like thirty. Um, you know, obviously depends on the lineup, depends on the baseballs that right. I'll beat the guy <laughs> throwing out there. Um, I mean, he's a solid player. I'm not saying right. he's he's. Bad. Do I think he's to the level of Acuna? No, I don't think so. No. Um, but he's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they've, got, they've got a lineup that has Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Harris, and Albies. Vaughn Grissom. Vaughn. Dans v. Swanson. I mean, sure, but I'm just talking about guys that can legit hit 20 five to 30 homers regularly there's five of them in that lineup easy yeah and it's a good park too especially you know we always talk about lefties and truest so it's yeah yeah. dan mailing can tell you all about that he lives across (laughs) the street from truest park (laughs) so it's the the prospects are it's not like they're up and coming anymore a lot of them are here and there's a couple on the way matt i'll kind of let i'll let you go first here brett Beatty in new york uh i Sound like he was getting the call, and they said it was either going to be like Wednesday or Thursday, I believe. But in the minors this year, 19 bombs with a 315 average, 943 uh, OPS, former first round pick back in 2019, I believe it was. Um, is he a must own the rest of the way? It seems like from the minors, it's more so his hit tool versus his speed. Uh, but is he a must own in fantasy formats the rest of the way? So I have a hard time saying must own because to me it always comes down to who are you dropping, right? If you have like a top 10 at that spot, you're not dropping a top 10 guy to go get a prospect. If you have a fringe guy, sure, take the shot on Brett Beatty. My other concern is they have a lot of dudes who are corner infield DH type guys, and I don't know how they're going to play all of them at one time. Um, Sure, Beatty's got a ton of pop. Um, he was right there with guys like Zach Veen and Nolan Gorman in terms of, of power when they were coming out and the hit tool has developed nicely. Um, but again, there's going to be an adjustment period to major league pitchers. Um, so if you have a French guy, short, sure, take a shot on them. I'm sure they're going to play him. That's why they called them up. Um, but you're going to kind of have to watch how they're utilizing him and exactly how, how often he's getting playing down. Cause remember at the trade deadline, they made some moves to get like four dudes that were all DH uh, type <laughs> platoon power hitters. And now they've called up Brett, ba- Brett Beatty to basically be that too. So that's my only hesitation with him. James, your Yankees called up two in a effort to try to, reinvigorate something in this lineup. That's all it is. They're trying to add a jump start to the lineup. Esteban Florial and Oswaldo Cabrera coming up. Uh, kind of same type thing. What do you expect from these guys? Seems like the speed in the Myers has been impressive. What is the 
let me give you a two prone as a tech as a yeah, I almost said as a Texans fan. I'm still talking football <laughs> as a as a Yankees fan. What do you want to see from them? And then from the fantasy baseball perspective, I think speed's going to be the big one. But what could they provide down the stretch? I mean, I want Florial to just get a chance first off. Like they they called him up, and he just hasn't gotten the opportunity. He had 11 at bats um, in four games, and he was up for a while. Like he he just rotted on the bench. Um, so I, I would like to see him get an opportunity. Um, you know, we know about Benintendi's struggles. Uh, we talked about it last week that he's just like droppable in all formats. Um, as the Joey Gallo curse lives on. Um, I mean, Oswald in in Oswaldo Cabrera's case, like, I mean, this this kid is electric. He's going to provide stuff that Connor Falefa cannot. Uh, and Connor Falefa has been dreadful outside of one home run that he just hit uh, the other day against Boston. Uh, he's a sub par defender. Uh, he hits for no power. And Cabrera is a powerful speedy guy you just play these kids every day and you just i think cabrera has more fantasy appeal than florial at this rate um but it's neither of them are like rush to the i would i would rush to the waiver wire to pick up cabrera i probably wouldn't do the same for florial um especially given like the position scarcity sometimes at, at positions that Cabrera plays and as opposed to the outfield where Florial is. So uh, I think Cabrera is the better fantasy asset than Florial, but I just want the Yankees to play them both because, I mean, anything is better than what's the what's on the field right now. Yeah, as a guy who had Esteban Florial as a um, red shirt in my massive league, I was very disappointed when the Yankees called him up and then didn't. didn't he just did nothing. All. He just... The, like it, they treated him like Clint Frazier, and it's getting yep. really obnoxious. Um, and by the way, how deep is the Yankee system that the fourth best shortstop is the guy that gets called up? As Waldo, <laughs> as Waldo Cabrera is the fourth best shortstop in that system behind number three Trey Sweeney, number two as well uh, as Waldo Peraza, and then obviously Anthony Volpe yep. Yep. is number one. Um, but that's that's pretty impressive depth. <laughs> that these then, guys are just hanging there. Yeah, and then two other prospects talk about one has arrived, one is should be in the <laughs> near minutes, it seems like. Uh, Shea Langliers got the call in Oakland, who is actively trying to lose games, as we talked about before. Yeah, of course, of course, we'll never admit it, but we all know what they're doing. And then Josh Jung, who is just, I mean, I don't even know what you say about his <laughs> minor league numbers right now. I think, he, I think he just hit two home runs yesterday. He's hitting... 400 with an even 1,000 slug on his way back. So, Matt, I'll kick it over to you first. Uh, either of these two more appealing from a fantasy baseball perspective, and I hope it's the latter because he's the one I'm rushing to pick up everywhere. Yeah. Um, Langoliers, look, catchers are not great in fantasy baseball. Yep. Right? There's like five of them, and then everybody else is – uh, and Langoliers, they've already told Murphy that he's getting his starting job back when he comes back. So, like, you're basically looking at a backup catcher in Langoliers for a bad team. Um, so that's not really all that appealing. Um, not to mention, I was not the biggest fan of his when he was in Atlanta. I thought he's a defensive first catcher, and the bat was still to come around. Um, but Josh Jung, I mean, if this guy hadn't 
been hurt back in spring training, he would have been the starting third baseman for the Rangers all season. Um, he's got ridiculous amounts of power and um, a very good hit tool. His brother, we just saw drafted in the first round this year, Jace Jung. Um, and Josh is way better than Jace was at that point. So, um, yeah, I would be rushing to get Josh Jung. I think the call is coming anytime now. They just fired their manager. And just before we started recording, they announced that they fired their president of baseball ops. So everything is being turned over in Texas. Josh Jung will be up there shortly. They don't have a locked in third baseman. Um, and he still gets to hit. I mean, Seager and Simeon haven't been great this year. That's quite clear. But they're still Seager and Simeon, and he'll still get to slot into that lineup um, at a pretty fair hitter's park, actually. Yep. Texas has been a little bit more hitterish this year than it has been. So, you know, I, w- I would definitely go snag Josh Jung if you have a spot for him to be just on your bench for a little bit and then just go right out the homer barrage that's going to happen when he comes up. James, are you, are you making it three for three with Josh Jung? Yeah, I mean, it's to Matt's point, like Langoliers is playing in the PCL this year. So, uh, you know, 19 home runs in the PCL doesn't hit like uh, other. That's like 10 in the International that's League. like 10 in the International League. So when you profile more as a defensive catcher and then you go to, I mean, anyone could be kind of good in the PCL just uh, given the 150 degree weather every single day which carries the ball um miles and miles it's court cores cores but minor league in general um so uh, i agree it's jung for me as well and then we're going to wrap up this week's episode with a quick level of concern we're going to hit the teams again uh we're going to start with the dodgers walker bueller done for the season uh with the elbow issue they thought removing the bones first could help turns out not quite the case they're getting dustin may back by no means is that like a tit for tat thing with Oh, May is the equivalent to Bueller. That is certainly not the case. Uh, my level of concern for the Dodgers, typically with the rotation with Clayton Kershaw also being out, I'm pretty concerned the rest of the way. I'm going to put mine at about a six and a half. James, I'll let you go first on this one. So where's your concern with the Dodgers staff? Um, I'm probably a little lower than you. Um, like, it's definitely concerning losing, you know, your top two starters. Uh, Julio Urias has been on a really good stretch lately and Tony Gonsolin has been good all year. And I think Tyler Henderson is probably like the unsung hero of this Dodgers rotation in general, um, two, eight ERA. He's 13 and two on the year, um, in 20 starts. So Dustin may former top prospect, obviously coming off the aisle, he's going to make his debut Saturday. Um, that's going to be exciting because he throws really, really hard, um, and he's one of the last redheads remaining on this planet. So that's always fun. Um, kind of looks like Carrot Top. Kind of looks like Carrot Top. Um, I, I'm i going to go like 4.8. Because um, I think we we talked about it last week. Like the Bueller thing is tough. Because we talked about Bueller potentially like getting multiple starts. Except Matt. Matt was like anti Bueller. But we also had no idea like this was going to just drop on our heads and be like, oh, Bueller's actually done for the year. That's, you and know, maybe we, and maybe more because we don't actually know what the surgery what it, was. Right. 
No, we have no it idea. They turned out to be Tommy John because he was on the IL with a flexor True. strain, which is almost always a precursor to Tommy John. True. So that would be really crappy if we if he didn't get it months ago when he could have. Um, that's on the Dodgers, or maybe it's on Bueller deciding like, hey, maybe I'm just going to work through this. Whatever the case, we are expecting to get Kershaw at the end of the year. They have been, there has been really good pitching outside of. Kershaw and Bueller, regardless. They still, with Bueller on the shelf for all this extended period of time, with Kershaw on the shelf multiple times this year, they are still sitting pretty in their division. Um, knowing that San Diego is not getting Tatis this year, I'm not overly concerned just given what they've gotten from the rotation. Obviously, their losses hurt, um, but guys have definitely picked up the slack, you know, where it's been needed. Yeah, they actually have the best record in baseball. Yeah. With how Bueller and Kershaw for like a long period of time, like it's and pretty Cody impressive. Bellinger still hasn't been hitting, and you know it. Yeah, it's it's impressive. I would put my level of concern about a five and a half, maybe, because the Dodgers just seem to find guys that can pitch and get them innings and mix and match. Um, Bobby Miller, their top pitching prospect, was promoted to Triple A. Uh, a couple of days ago, and so I'm expecting only a couple of starts there, and then they call him up because that guy has frontline starter written all over him. Um, so there would be some more depth there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm about a five and a half for the Dodgers. And then another National League team looking to contend for really the that the division, the the whole thing, perhaps even the World Series. We have the Mets. Carlos Carrasco is going to be out multiple weeks. I believe. I believe it was a side or an oblique issue. And then Taiwan Walker also left the start early yesterday. By no means are Carrasco or Walker on the same tight pedigree as Walker Bueller, but for a Mets team that seemed to perennially have these issues, and I hate to say it, I mean, if Jacob DeGrom is, you know, every time, I mean, every time he throws, you hold your breath. I mean, it's yeah. just, that's the honest truth. And if, maybe if he wasn't wearing a Mets jersey, it'd be different. I don't want to <laughs> cast aspersions on a potential Mets curse there, but um Matt, I'll come back to you. What is the level of concern for you with the Mets starting pitching? Um, I, so this one's tougher for me, right? Because the Mets aren't as deep as the Dodgers in their system. They don't quite have the depth of pitching to, to you know, pull up from. And let's face it, Cookie and Walker have been good for the Mets. Yep. Like, Best four and five starters in baseball this year, easily. I don't even think it's close. Nope. Um, so, look, if if DeGrom can stay healthy, if Scherzer stays healthy, and Bassett avoids COVID again, that's a very good one, two, three, for sure. And, you know, they're getting challenged a little bit by the Braves in the division. Um, hasn't fully closed up yet. So I would probably put my level of concern for the Mets at probably about a six and a half, maybe seven right now, simply because you still don't want to overwork DeGrom. You still need Scherzer to be, you know, relatively fresh and healthy for the postseason. Um, and the Braves are coming. Like, the, that's an underreported story. I think the Braves make this thing very close by the end of uh, September, and you might have a very pivotal series between the two of them. Uh, coming up. So I would go about a seven for the Mets. James? Um, I think it's hard for me in a different light. Like, I agree you don't want to overwork these guys, but, like, we were just talking about how scary their rotation can be. 
And barring they don't put too much onto DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett's shoulders, like, that's the three you're getting in the postseason anyway. And, like, you're going to get Cookie in a seven-game series, I'm sure, once, and you're going to get him in long relief. Um, But that's when you, I mean, just given where they are, like, given Cookie's history, another guy who not always, uh, hasn't always been the healthiest, um, I think that, you know, as long as they have them for September, October, I think they'll be fine. They can call up David Peterson, who's been good for them this year, um, to make multiple starts, as, you know, as long as Walker and um, we don't actually know anything about Walker's like injury and if he's going to miss time. Uh, the cookie cookie was placed in the aisle. So like, you know, Peterson's there to replace him. <clears throat> they have Trevor Williams, I guess they could go to, too. So I, I'm not overly concerned just given how you almost have three wins for four wins a week when you have you know scherzer Degrom, bassett going and then plus probably one more maybe two of them you could get like five start week from those guys as matt flexes his apple watch right now um you guys can't see but um yeah i'm not i'm not overly concerned i'll go like 3.9 uh just given how good the rest of their rotation really is and i think i think that's a good point because they didn't happen to they didn't fortunately they didn't lose one of their three that they're really going to rely on heavily come those postseason series i think these potential losses at least even for this little bit of time if, should they parlay out longer in addition to losing one of the big three would cause Fair. much yeah. more catastrophic catastrophic exactly. Exactly. Because if one of those three, the the Grom, Scherzer, Bassett, were to get hurt, you're going to rely on Carrasco or Walker, maybe even Peterson, to come in and start one of those games. That's what you don't necessarily – not that you don't want it, but they don't compare to the DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett. They're in first with four starts of Jacob DeGrom this year. So, like, you know, like, you know, like, as long as they're there, they won 75 games and four of them have been pitched by Jacob DeGrom. I'm, I'm not over, not overly concerned unless one of those three gets shut down. Yep. Well, that is going to be it for this week's episode. So let me go ahead and tell you first, head over, give Matt a follow on Twitter at the salesman on Twitter. Give James a follow on Twitter at the underscore real underscore grande. I am at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And of course, head over to Fantasy Alarm. Make sure you get the free NFL draft guide with the cheat sheet, the rankings, coaching systems, everything in between, there's going to be a lot of great in-season content as well. But for now, while you're in fantasy football draft season, get yourself our free NFL draft guide. And until next time, we will see you next week for the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100. 
and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.